0: This is Corporal Hicks. This is Mikey.
1: And this is Xenomorphine.
2: And you're here listening to the ninth episode of the AVP Galaxy podcast. All right, so as you may have noticed, we've got a, a new voice with us today. This is Xenomorphine. Um, Glo-
1: otherwise, H- otherwise known as Eric. But <laughs> Eric.
2: <laughs> and you're, you're one of the Global Mods, aren't you? Uh, Yeah, I am. Cool. So he's, he's joining us for today's podcast. We'll get onto that in a little bit. Um, I'd just also like to mention that, well, AVP Galaxy and, well, I suppose all around Alien Community Superstar SM has now joined us as a podcast editor. So you'll have heard his first work with, um, the last podcast with, uh, Charles de Rica, And obviously I'll be on this one as well. Now, today's podcast is, well, it's about memories. Um, Memories pertaining to Alien, Predator, and more recently, I suppose, Prometheus Anything comes up. And to lead us into that, Eric's going to be telling us about his first time getting involved in the Alien franchise. So, lead away.
1: Yeah, well, we've all got our own (laughs) how we got into it. It's going to be, I mean, it, it came to mind the other day that when was AVP come out? It was, what, 2004? Yeah, would have been. Too- yeah, 2004. So I mean, that that's coming up for literally a decade. I mean, as superficial as a lot of people thought it was, there's going to be a lot of people who they're coming into the forums and that now who got into it from you know the McFarlane toys and all the rest of it from there. Um, my first uh, memory is um Yeah, I'm one of the guys who came into it from watching Aliens, Cameron's one.
2: Is that the cinema uh, or?
1: No, no, this on the I saw a TV version. So I saw the the one where it's got that weird sort of dubbed over swear word stuff that has made Hudson South Australian. Um, so yeah, and I, I, me and my friends at high school, this was like early nineties, and um, we were always watching it on their like our videotape versions, and then. I I remember there was a school fair and my dad got the, like the illustrated version of the alien one, which is like the, they had lots of these still production photos and that, and they put little annotations for the original 79 version. And then I read the, the novel of that, uh, um, Alan Dean Foster, his one. Mm -hmm. And I was quite intrigued because it had all this stuff about, you know, the, the egg, cocoon stuff and the face hugger he described it as it had a I think it had eye. eye yeah yeah and i thought oh wow this is completely different i've got and then i watched the videotape for a uh, birthday and I, I kind of wondered if it was faulty because it didn't have a lot of stuff that was in the novel <laughs> but even the cane he, he i remember remembering a novel. He went in there for diamonds or something, and I was left scratching my head because it was a lot more drawn out and stuff than I saw in the novel. Yeah, it, and then I got into the comics, and they were just coming out when I was in high school. That they had the um, it was it wasn't it wasn't um the book one version of aliens. It was the Denis Bouvet book two era.
2: Oh, that was uh, beautiful. That stuff is.
1: It was. That's it. Re- that was one of the. the You know, the first adult comics I'll get into and I thought, this stuff, it looks movie quality, like back then, because they did, they weren't like photoshopping stuff really. But the colouring and the, the detail, I, I remember just sitting down, you know, high school age, but I was just sitting down and looking at these beautifully, meticulously detailed covers of, you know, aliens and the marines and all that. And I just fell in love with the artwork. Like, you look back now and you look back at, um, the work of artists like Chris Foss, um, and Pete and Ron Cobb and that, who, who you, you start noticing their volume of work and then you go, Oh, when you hear me did that cover for that old book I used to read when I was a little sort of thing. And now you're, you get to an age where you can really appreciate the kind of, passion that went into that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I've, I've really got back into, into the merchandising sort of stuff around the Kenner action figures era, uh, which is, oh, it was a bit thing, but it was kind of like all we had, and the internet fandom of Alien and Predator, that it was kind of... It revolved around the news groups, um, not so much stuff like A- AVP Galaxy like today. I remember the internet side of it really started kicking off around the time Alien Resurrection was released. And
2: That'd have been when about AVP News was the anchor- top dog, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's
1: right, yeah. And as I said, the Anchor Point essays, I remember that. That's still around now. Looked at that last night. And that's, for people who don't know, that's a, a site that's... It's basically fan fiction, but someone's gone into it, like, if they were bio- a biologist and they're trying to deconstruct how the aliens work and all the rest of
2: it. It's um, its run by a chap called Mike Lynch. Um, yeah. He's got recognised for it. it was um, I think it was on the AVP Requiem special features. Yes,
1: yes he was, yeah. And the guys who were... A lot of people don't realise that the technical, the Colonial Marine Technical Manuals started out in the comics. And that was just a, a part work that they kind of did for fun.
2: That was and, in the back of them, weren't it? By, yeah, was it yeah. what, Dark Horse? The English a, one, the British.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, and they just kind of did it as an experimental thing at first and then it got so much reader fa- feedback. But they just decided we've got to make something big out of this, and um, of course it it got so popular. That, it was, it, Rebellion did the first game, didn't
2: they? The, with the old Atari one.
1: Yeah, and and they did the first PC game. Yeah, yeah, they did. The and, they, and they used it for that as well. So, but it was because I don't think Fox really had an idea of what they want. They didn't have an idea of anything more than we've got to make money out of this stuff. Mm. which is why we got stuff like the Kenner figures and all the rest of it. There wasn't what you'd call much in the way of quality assurance (laughs) back then. I mean, I've I've got right next to me, because I was sorting my shelves out earlier, I've got an original um, British Telecom phone card with an alien queen on it. I mean, God knows if that's actually worth anything. But I, I remember getting it back then, and I thought, oh... That could be an investment. But it's quite nice to look at. And it's just, it's literally, it's just a picture of the Alien Queen as a photograph. They just slapped it on a BT phone card. I mean, yeah, aside from that and the comics, there wasn't really, on the soundtracks, there wasn't really the kind of stuff that you can get nowadays. I mean, nowadays there's, you get the hot toys, figures and all the rest of it. Back then you it was like the Halcyon model kits. I think that was the pinnacle of something you could hold in your hand, and I remember going to forbidden, expensive for me to actually get, but I used to just look at them in the glass cases for about half an hour, just, just something alien-related you could look at. But I think the Predator stuff started later on, didn't it?
2: Merchandise was. They never really had much merchandise for it, did they? I mean, there was, yeah. the, no- there was the novels.
1: Yeah, and the and- ten Kenner did then, didn't they, the action figures?
2: Yeah, Kenner did a few series, as I think.
1: Yeah, the weird kind of tendril, giant octopus-sized dreadlocks on one guy.
2: Yeah, there was, what was it, it sort of curved down below yeah. him and it, it was whipping action or something yeah. like that.
1: And it's, it looks a bit dodgy when you see it on the adverts on YouTube. <laughs> what was it, there was a play set. Wasn't there that they never actually released, or they only released a few of them, and it was meant to be an alien queen's egg sac type of thing that left ooze on a predator?
2: Yeah, I remember that. I remember Everything the advert.
1: Wanted it for the alien queen because the alien queen looked kind of really detailed. Those micro machines brought some out at that time, didn't
2: mm-hmm. they? Um, some of the ships and stuff like that. No, yeah. as, as well as the as well as the aliens and stuff like that as well.
1: Hmm. They, they, I think they started doing AVP stuff. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, I think they they went into... No, oh, McKenna. Who did the Terminator toys first off? I
2: won't remember that. I wasn't really into Terminator at all. Well, the same
1: moulds. They kind of yeah. look I know Dark Horse got all three... ...in their comics. Hmm. Uh, not too many years ago, they did an Alien versus Predator versus Terminator, which was one of the most god-awful things had the misfortune to ever read.
2: You'd say a few years ago, like it was, that must have been over a decade ago, surely. It's, and it guys. was
1: after Resurrection because Ripley 8 was in it.
2: That's still over.
1: It wasn't too long I don't know, I'm over 30. <laughs>
2: <sighs> <sighs> it's got to have been um, I mean, 2001.
1: Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Older than I thought it was, isn't really. it? I mean, you, you've got, all, like, the Alien Illustrated story. I've got one of those, paperback edition.
2: The old ones or the new... Yeah,
1: the old one. But, I mean, you get the old stuff. It's being kind of reprinted and that now because a lot of people, they get into this stuff. They even get into, like, just through that HR Giga stuff. And they just want the, the original good quality things. Mm. But, uh, us ye oldie veterans but as I say, the, the old news groups and things. We all remember, or we've got copies of all this stuff, but it's like the Colonial Marine Technical Manual, that became ridiculously expensive if you had a copy on eBay or something.
2: I think I brought mine for about 40 quid, and that at the time was one of the cheapest I'd seen them going yeah. for. I'd seen yeah. them around about 100 pound.
1: I've, I've seen them a lot more expensive than that, yeah. They're like the old um, Star Wars figures, they're uh, you know, hens' teeth, but they, they've they reprinted all that stuff now. Mm. My first memory of alien-related um, stuff, I'd say, I think I said this on a, one of the forums recently. It was a weird kind of prophetic dream I had because all I remember was I, I was in a boat in the middle of the ocean, and there was this kind of like decapitated head that rolled up out of the water, and I thought, oh, that's that's weird. And stuck in my memory. And then the very next evening. I watched Aliens for the first time, and to this day it stayed with me. As soon as I, you know the colonist that they find um, cocooned to the wall, yeah, She's a, and they they kind of like they grab hold of the hair and they lift up her face, and it was that head, that face, that exact face, and that's what made me, you know. Double take when I saw it. So I don't know what that's about, but it's, it was weird because it became one of the biggest artistic inspirations in my life after that moment. But as I say, they, you couldn't really find and there were no action figures at the time. There was, no, the, the comics were just starting to come out and I was unaware of them for ages. It was a friend that brought them into, um, class one day and said, wow, what the hell is that on the cover? And it was, as I say, it was the start of, um, was it Dark Horse?
2: Yeah, they they published.
1: A dark, that. Yeah, and then from there it went on to all the rest of it. But then Alien Three came out, which killed off a lot of enthusiasm. I think it's the diplomatic way of putting it. Although the, I mean, it's one of those things, Alien Three, where it it can kind of, even if you you're not a fan of it, like I'm, you you can appreciate it. Like a lot of the cinematography, the start and ending credit sequences especially, they're beautifully rendered. But then, I think it's like Alien Resurrection, there are good and bad things about it. But, but they both kind of, cause they were in that, what's it, 92, 93, and then Alien Resurrection was... 97,
2: 97. 97.
1: 97. Yeah. So there was that kind of short, what, five year gap between them. Um, where people, they they all wanted... A lot of people say, oh, they wanted Colonial Marines and that. I don't think they wanted that kind of thing. I think they just wanted to get the same emotional high you got out of watching Alien and Aliens, and to some degree Predator as well, the first Predator. But you... I'm going to piss off a lot of people because this is a podcast, but it's I don't get the same kind of high out of watching... Alien Three or Alien Resurrection, but then you got you know Alien vs Predator and Requiem. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are cursing under their breath probably when they hear me say that. And it's one of those weird sort of things where everybody was going, oh yeah, the Alien Three is the most hated film in my collection, but then they saw A V P and they went, oh, do you think Alien Three is quite good now? Or (laughs) Requiem. Uh, oh my god, Alien Resurrection, it was a masterpiece, and um, you, you get in this kind of weird pattern where you think, God forbid, if they do a, a third one that's even more awful, people are going to go, yeah, Requiem wasn't as bad as I thought it was, <laughs> There's kind of good stuff in there, which, I mean, I, I forced myself to watch Requiem the other day, and yes, you do kind of need to force yourself to watch a whole
2: mm. thing,
1: could not just the clips, and it is one of those things where you you watch and you go, I didn't think much of Anderson's AVP, but with AVP at least they you could kind of see what Anderson was going for. And they got a few kind of striking visuals there, even if the thing as a whole, it's it kind of falls under its own weight, so to speak. But, I mean, a lot of these things, they're just... I don't know if Alien Resurrection had as much studio interference as um Alien Three.
2: I don't uh, think from the sounds of it, I don't think it really did. I think a lot of these the I, I, I Weaver's hands.
1: Yeah, I I know um I know A V um Anderson's A V P. It was more a victim of budget than of things because I remember in the our director's commentary was saying that we literally didn't have more money money for more than one flashlight and a lot of it to do with you know misdirection of the camera and you'd never think that for a moment even the, a lot of the pyramid changing around that's all completely CGI and a lot of people go oh well the CGI was just the alien creature and they go no a lot of it you didn't realise was in there and that's because they just didn't have the money to make it what it could have been and then you hear about the stuff with the brothers Strauss, they, they or how do you say their names?
2: I always Strauss? went
1: with Strauss. Strauss yeah. Yes. Um, and they said they, they, they were literally under, under this, you know, pressure from the, uh, from Fox to do this incredibly tight shooting schedule where, where sometimes they didn't have money to even shoot one scene more than one time. But I mean, as you you look at it and you go. There needed to be some kind of planning ahead. I mean, the, at one point the he had the Wolf has got this device in his hand, and he's kind of draining this fluid out of one of the face hugger stasis tube things. Mm-hmm. And it's painfully obvious that it's got the same amount of water in the tube before he bothers to put it in the prop, and things like that. It, they kind of, you know, they got at people on the forums when they overanalyzed it. But it was, it was the stuff when the red band trailer came out, and that huge internet controversy when the Predator lifted up the two aliens side by side.
2: <laughs> I remember that.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of us went, "Oh, it's, this has got a nice kind of nice. It's lit well, etc." Which wasn't the case when the actual thing came out the cinemas. <laughs> but, uh, you you got this one little what was it two three second clip of something like that, and that was the onset of the apocalypse that reigned throughout <laughs> fandom, and it actually never let go. Even though um, uh, uh, was it? it was Colin, wasn't it? He was uh, the guy
2: um, We had both of them, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it was Colin was the main one. And, and I think he was the guy that was saying, No, don't worry, you you'll see a lot of these scenes they aren't what you think they are. They're gonna turn out completely different. And then they were like we thought they'd be.
2: Well he was always blowing steam on there, weren't he? I mean, yeah. um, there was um did you see the Memories of A V P Galaxy thread that was up um a couple of weeks ago. Where really? they were they were going through a load of Collins posts and stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, that, rad.
1: um Yes, I, I did link some guy to one of the um, Collins thing because he equipped me. Yeah. To...
2: Yeah. <laughs> what do you expect though? After backlash he got from everybody. Yeah, I, I think
1: SM and SIL kind of single handedly <laughs> a nervous breakdown or something. But I don't. A lot of people think like, the forums they're full of flaming and all the rest of it. But people like SM and SIL yeah, they can then come across a little abrasive, but I mean, they we try and be objective with our criticism. It, if something is a yeah. bit shit, it's a bit shit. But it's there are ways of saying it where they were just saying, "No, oh, look, you could have done the scene ex- this way. Right. Ex- yeah. ex- um, why didn't you just do this? Because it wouldn't have cost any more money. Um, you could have." hidden this part in shadow or whatever it was at the time and there were points where Colin just kind of he just interpreted it as um I don't know a personal attack or something and he just got to the stage where he just said right fine I'll I'll um be somewhere else in future kind of thing but what do you expect when you're helming that kind of film and you go on one of well, not just one of the forums, the, well, I think he went on several of the main forums, didn't
2: he? Uh, yeah, it was on Alien Experience, I think it was on IMDb. It yeah. Been on Planet AVP, I can't remember.
1: Uh, yeah, the IMDb stuff. I mean, that's got a... If you, if you lived through the IMDb... What would you call it? A debacle back then.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, which one are we on about here? There's been numerous.
1: Um, in, now, when Requiem was first it got announced and then the hype built up so massively for it that there were I think at one point there were there was this big rumor that there was going to be a zoo or something and we we got a load of other rumors and there, there, about different types of aliens were going to be involved and then that's that's burned the whole Chinese Whispers thing of, oh, they can get the dog alien back again and all the rest of it. And at that point, I think Colin was just kind of restricting himself to very simple, friendly answers, but it's when the, red I think around when the Red Band trailer got released, he got a lot more kind of personally attached to the whole thing. And that's when you, you kind of looked at the arguments that were going on, and it was Part of it was like when fandom eats itself, but the other half of it, you just just don't don't let it affect you that much. It's, it's just, I mean, it's your it's your baby, but it's you, you're you're getting too passionately take things, like that, and it's you're gonna end up feeling offended by fandom itself. Whereas you get the other extreme with Prometheus. There was what? There was nothing for ages, was there? There were just a few set photographs.
2: Yeah, just leaked stuff, really.
1: Yeah, and people were just eating themselves up with "We want more, we want more." And I, I was thinking to myself, <sighs> if Ridley Scott or anyone associated it, you—they've only got to look at the IMDb stuff of what happened with Colin. Hmm. They're they're not they they're gonna tease us with things that they want us to see. They're not gonna get half as involved ever again.
2: Well, in all fairness, I think that was because you know it is nice to have interactions Hmm? with with fandom and stuff from the official people.
1: Yeah, but it's like it's like you're going to a you know a dog kennel. You've some of the fans do get rabidly. some of them get. Rapidly hostile.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: A bit rapidly stalkerish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as bad if he had to come on and said this, that, and other yeah. you know, and it, basically lied to everybody. Would,
0: if he wouldn't have promised, and those promises were never given, there wouldn't have been a problem.
1: That that's what left the bitterness of a lot of people. It was before the film was even released. They were people were just they were they were instilling these these two guys who had just they've just done like special effects before, and they were instilling them with so much. You know, they're the next saviors. They're going to save the franchise. They're going to give us what we wanted for years, and nobody could have lived up lived up to those expectations. Yeah. Nobody, even. Um, a part of me thinks that's probably what's kept James Cameron from getting involved all this. Because <laughs> you, you you'd think to yourself, if James Cameron was announced, he was going to do Alien Five. I mean, can you, can you imagine what the reaction would be?
2: I think that vary a lot as well, though. Because tell you what, when when I you you're on about um, news groups and mail groups earlier. Yeah, um, the whole fandom. Yeah, that that was my first sort of online experience. And, it's like I was telling Charles in the last episode. Um, so that would have been really when I was rather young. And I came on and I'm flicking through all these threads and stuff through Outlook on these male groups. I, think it, I can't remember what it's called. Um, old cult movies, aliens or something like that. Yeah. And everybody was slating Cameron slating aliens for the queen and stuff like that i mean Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of people tend to sort of think of aliens as um god's greatest you know action sci-fi aliens movie um but that's not always the case i mean obviously um, through this male group i realized that it wasn't all universal love for everything and for every person that's going to if, if it was announced it was doing a new Alien movie, for every person that was going to be like, oh yeah, it's James Cameron, it's going to rule. There'll be some other person somewhere just bitching and moaning. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean though. It's it would cre- it's things like that. It would create this huge schism in fandom. And at the end of the day, you got to realize it's just a film. I mean, you watch after the aftermath of when wreck like. Okay, I just feel apathetic about it. but a lot of people they just they just invested so much emotion into this whole thing that it was like their world fell apart. Yes. You just just yourself it's you've got to take a step back and yeah, but in in the old the old the old days of the nineteen nineties we did we didn't have the kind of stuff we can get now. But because of that I think a lot of us from back then We can take a step back from it because we we learnt to appreciate the good stuff when it was there, and we've been fed a lot of crap in the meantime, sort of thing. Mm. And whereas a lot of people, they just they let something they've invested so much all their lives. And I've I've seen massive arguments break out. The, The whole friendships have been torn apart over. I, I don't know, some ridiculous detail, and this isn't just to do with Alien Predator fandom, obviously, it's all overplayed. Pretty
2: much all internet fandom, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, but, you, you get people, they, you, you, they let it
2: rule their lives.
1: They, they, whole friendships break down over the silliest of conversations. But, um, when I say earliest memories, I don't know what people, The new generation of fans, what are their earliest memories going to be? Are they, are they going to be of the Kenner figures, or are they going to be... I don't know. Well, Some of them are forever going to think of the space jockey as...
2: Engineers. Yeah.
1: yeah. Whereas, um, me included, I still...
2: It's the space jockey. I look jockey.
1: back on that... Yeah, I just look back on that scene, and I think it, it looks like a a skeleton, it's got the teeth, it's got all the rest of it. I just can't... <sighs> okay, I'll accept it if that's where it's going, but it's... Oh, for me, it's it's always going to be this thing with a nose in the chair, and it's <coughs> going to be this thing that only Giga or somebody could um, dream up. Whereas the new generation of fans, I, I don't know, what's... Are they, they going to be forever linking the Predator and Alien stuff? Or are most of them still going to be taking the view that i don't know if sm thinks this way um you know a, a lot of the foreign veterans they think no I'm, not, I'm gonna forever just think of avp as its own little thing
2: well that's really personal choice isn't it i mean mikey and i, I suppose we're probably middle middle generation fans aren't we i mean
0: yeah yeah because i from what i've always known i was just thinking about it i've from what I can remember, with my liking of the fan base, it's always, the two have always been connected to me. I've, there's always been Alien and Predator together, but separate in their own sense. But I've always known them as a single universe as well. When I was really young and hadn't seen the movies yet, I didn't know that there was an attachment to the two yet. No. Uh, I always saw the DVD, or the, not the DVD, the VHS cases, like, like the library or the movie store, and... The alien cover creeped me out hardcore. I was (laughs) that thing, Um, but I had no idea that that was it could be associated with the Predator movies at the time. And when I finally saw them, it was the arcade game that really put me like, "Oh, these things can be together." And then I started seeing the movies after that, and that's that's kind of where I am with it. But I've always as together.
1: When you say the arcade game, which do you mean like? Uh,
0: Was it the? who made it? Naomi? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think but so. The, the, the one. side-scrolling one. Yeah, one with with Schaefer, and you can play as the Predators, and then the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what got me into the movies. Surprisingly, it's an arcade game, but I mean that's what oh. they're there for. On I the set, the whole engineer jockey thing, yeah, I'm gonna always see the jockey as a
1: jockey,
0: a jockey. And then, <laughs> this engineer i'm still trying i just watched prometheus again i think it was my third time ever or my fourth time and i'm still having a hard time taking yeah. it as part of it i understand but it's still like oh okay
2: well let's let's yeah. save the uh, the prometheus stuff though, for, for the next one i think
1: yeah well um yeah i mean what what i will say is it's It's interesting to see where, when you get into Alien and Predator fandom, where that leads you. I mean, me me personally, the biggest thing that getting into the Alien films led me was in the direction of Giga, and then from there I got into the whole Lovecraftian, I don't know if you want to call it aesthetic or whatever, but... and then I, I think around that time, I, I think the, the Warhammer Space Marines thing came out around then. I was like, oh, tyrannids, they're, Tyranids, they're kind of aliens, but not kind of thing. <sighs> Sit back then again, that got me into, um, what else has Ridley Scott done? And then I, I remembered, oh, he was that guy who did Legend. And I thought, oh, Legend, that's that brilliant film that I remember from such and such a thing. I think back then from the 90s, I think a lot of people got into these the soundtracks and the, the composers. Cause you, a lot of these days, you, when you see Alan Silvestri announced for something, people go, Oh, the guy who did Predator. Or yeah. some people go back to the future or James Thorner. Everyone remembers him for Aliens or Wrath Khan. Yeah. I think it's split. When you, when you mention James Horner, people either go Wrath Khan or they go Aliens and then you go, they were kind of the same melodies in both places. <laughs> <laughs> but if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see where, not just how you got into it, but where, once you got into it and the, where you know, yeah, where you went from there, where did it take you, where, when you got into Alien or Predator or whatever, where did you go you found out someone was involved with in it or they did a certain filming technique or they used a certain artist who was working on the product, did you then get into their stuff? I mean, where did it lead you into a whole new, completely different fandom or set of books or whatever that you never thought you'd get into? I mean, the, the Steve Perry books are in and of themselves, the graphic novels that they were based on. I think. Wasn't he a guest on AVP Galaxy?
2: Yeah, yeah, we, we had him for a while. Yeah. E- yeah. I did an interview with him a, a few need... years ago. That would have been back when the new DH Press stuff was coming out, because he did one of the Predator books. He did. What was it Turnabout?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was after his AVP stuff. Wasn't yeah,
2: it? yeah, the AVP stuff was yonks ago. But then, then again, I think there was a fairly large gap in between the comics and... And the books, because I think he did the novelizations before Dark Horse had to re-edit them. Yeah. Um, so he sort of... If, I'm, if I if I'm remember it, might I might, might be completely off base here. I think he was the one that came up with the Wilkes and Billy stuff, and that just sort of went off into um, the viewprint. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, and it I, might have been. Like I say, it might be completely off base, but... Yeah.
1: I've, I've got a feeling. I've, I've, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I've, I've got a memory in my head that they just immediately reprinted the comics. I think, but you might be right. It might have been him.
2: I, I looked at it recently, but I've, I, th- I think it worked out at the at the dates. It was definitely Perry first, and then yeah. the reprints. Um, but re- I think it was reprinted as Earth Hive with, with all the the new names and you know yeah. changes to it and everything.
1: Who did AVP? Oh, it was, um, Randy Stradley. Yeah. yeah. And he did the first AVP. The first one is genuinely, uh, yeah, there, there's some superficial fights and stuff, but for one of the earliest comics around at that time, the first AVP, it was, it was structured really well, but it, it kind of, I don't know, it's like the original alien comics. People took that concept and then everyone remembers the first comic, because the first comic was really good. Ask them to remember some of the later ones uh, the later ones which weren't so good and um, that's the reason everyone remembers the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was structured in the it was kind of structured in the same kind of cinematic style, which you could say the same about the Book 2 of Aliens and Book 1, I think. But when you get into things like Earth War... Ugh. See, I, I remember... <laughs> a lot of people don't remember all the, the massive reader feedback outcry in the comics when that first came out, because it was following... Um, I don't know if it's pronounced Bouvais or Bouvet. De- Dan- Dennis Bouvet did um, Book 2. Or um, what was it Nightmare Asylum? And, but because his art style was so beautiful, and, you know, I'm, I'm not faulting the guy who did Earthworld, well, because I can only do stick figures myself, but it was such a radically different tone. But most people, they were literally outcries for him to come back and do the art. But these days, you realise that he was doing his own story. He, it, they would you know, artists get hired for a certain project. But it was the same kind of outcry that pe- came over when, you know, when Alien 3 came out. It was such a radically sh- different shift in tone and pace. And you had that... What was it? It was the Alien Empress, wasn't it? Uh,
2: the, yeah. The, it would have been the, the Queen, Queen, Queen of
1: Queens. The Queen of Queens! It
2: yeah.
1: was, and it was weird because she was, like, meant to be this bigger, more badass version of the Ultimate Alien. And it was like a... Um, a queen with a pointy head and tiny little tendrils for arms or something which um, I've never quite worked out how that got past the editing phase when they were designing it yeah and the the only other ones I remember comic wise were the not Colonial Marines um, John Bolton did a brilliant one Uh, called Sacrifice
2: yeah well I mean that whole period in between Alien Three and Alien Resurrection—that was that was when most of them were done. I mean, it was yeah. it was pretty much all in that period, and you yeah. came up through a good golden age of you know merchandise and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, because for every bad one, there was some absolutely brilliant ones. I mean, you had Labyrinth.
1: What was the one where it was? It was all I remember is this guy who really gratuitously was like a David Cronenberg type thing where. I think he got something, and he his own mother was she had her arms and legs torn off or something. Yeah, that
2: was labyrinth. Um, yeah, that was, was ring Wormwood, Wing, uh, Woodring. That was it, written by Jim Woodring, and artwork was by Plunkett. Um, see, uh,
1: I've seen that. There's a lot of that I've seen in like the omnibus, Alien Omnibus. In, when like, I look at Amazon and look down these list of titles, and
2: I think. I've never seen that story. They're worth worth picking up because, like I say, for every bad one, there's some brilliant stuff in there. I mean, especially Labyrinth. That's probably one of the, the, aside from probably Nightmare Asylum, Book Two or whatever, that's probably one of the other more famous ones.
1: I do remember um, some of the shorter stories work better than the um, longer stories. Aliens Cargo it's still one of my favorite stories because it's basically it's just one guy on a ship with an alien and he's got to use his, he's got, he's got no weapons there's no, the, the ship's got like five percent fuel or something and he's somehow got to get out of the situation and things like that, which I think sacrifice played on as well it was just the one alien and when you confine characters like that it works a lot better. Because I think there was a, I, I get the feeling there's often a temptation when it's in the comic medium that when you've got like aliens, you can have as many of you as you want and whatever. It it can get a bit, it can feel like a Marvel story or something. It doesn't feel like the source material they're basing it on. Although I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. But that's how it feels to me.
2: No, I mean there's, there's, it's less restrictive, isn't it? You can do. Yeah. A lot more, but that does sometimes lead to some sort of yeah. crazy out, wildish. Yeah, that's what I mean. yeah. I mean, did did you ever read Clone It Marines?
1: I see Dark Horse. They, I'm forgetting what it was, but it was the comic they did in the UK. They were re, they were printing that when it first came out, and then it suddenly stops. I don't know if it was lack of sales or what, but they, it does suddenly stop the end of the run. And I did not have a comic book shop near me at the time, so I was not able to get to see what whole thing with this alluded to alien king or something. Whatever.
2: It was, the the whole story was essentially crazy. It was like, I'm trying to think, I, I didn't no, that's describe that's a weird
1: underwater alien. Yeah, concept. it,
2: it... In, in my review of it, I basically described it as something, a scenario you'd play as a kid when you've got your Kenner toys. Yeah. And you're yeah. mashing everything up and you've got these crazy underwater snake type things yeah. that came out of nowhere and the, the alien king, I think it was supposed to be one of the characters from one of the other comics, I can't remember which one it Honestly. was now, but it somehow became like a King of the Aliens through Royal Jelly or something like that and it just, it coherently made no sense whatsoever all around. It was just batshit crazy ideas all melted together into one story.
1: I tell you what I do remember, I never actually got a copy myself because it was, this was still when Aliens was a kind of like niche fandom so I don't know if there are any plans to reprint it or anything but the old original alien based role playing game and I remember being at a couple of conventions for yeah, something completely yeah. unrelated, and they had these little like, cards with statistics on and all the rest of it.
2: Was Edge, I think, was called. It was called the footage. So, yeah,
1: that time they also brought out some like re- um, replica pulse rifles for some ridiculously crazy price no one could afford, and they still do. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never seen the role-playing game brought out since.
2: That that fetches quite a lot online as well, especially like the the, the proper book, because that goes into a bit of fictional depth of, of the alien universe and all the other bits that, and bobs. Um,
1: has the famous card where um, Bishop Two is it is he android or human kind of thing, and they brought out a card which had his like little backstory on it, but he was a human, and it was. Yeah. Um, I forget what his name is, but a bit whatever they call Bishop Two as a human. I think it was
2: Michael. I think that was actually from not not that, but from the Alien Three trading card set. Let me hang on. Oh,
1: well, yes, that's right. Yeah,
2: I've got it on one of the shelves. I think it was Michael.
1: That was in yeah, Michael Bishop. Yeah,
2: Michael Bishop, synthetic components engineer, yeah. designed synthetic human Bishop model three four one B. That's right. So.
1: It's, it's perplexing me. Now I'm thinking about this. They, they've they reprinted a lot of the old comics and all, all the rest of it. But the role-playing game, that's still kind of like lost history. Well, that
2: will depend on merchandising rights and license rights and stuff like that, won't there? I mean, there's always more to it than, than we think.
1: I think that was the one that also had one of the really early Predalian um images on it wasn't it it was all photoshots, and it had these tiny little eyes for some reason
2: <laughs> now you're going into the it's Trade card game now it was done by Precedence, I think it was in 1998 something like that because a lot of the uh, a lot of the images before like they did the movies were Photoshop for those cards I mean there's a couple of famous ones there's one where there's a predator sort of going up to a stasis tube with with the face hugger in it I remember that yeah yeah there you are that was that was yeah. from the card game is it, yeah there's a lot of these memories sort of morph together over time
1: yeah let's yeah, um, see it's uh, some of it I, I remember just looking at like Warhammer stuff and going oh is that related to Alien and that was before I really got into the fandom I think the biggest, like one of the earliest bits of, in quotes, merchandise, I remember looking at that. You, I don't know if they're still printing it or if you have to get it used these days, but it was that big H.R. Geiger's Book of Alien, which was the first bit of merchandise I ever picked up where it told you that you don't pronounce his name Geiger, you pronounce it Geiger, right at the end. Nah. Uh, that's, that's still got... Re- Beautiful presentation because it's really that kind of like glossy, slick paper they used for it as
0: well. I have that book. It was one of my first ever, but uh, memorabilia that I ever got of the movie. It's still one of my favorites too. What yeah. what, what are your sort of first recollections, Mikey? Yeah, uh, it's
2: or, or or just significant stuff, stuff that yeah. stands out to yeah. you.
0: Um, well, you guys are mentioning all these little things like comic books and stuff, but I have a lot of them. I never read them though. I have them, but I don't read <sighs> comic. Uh, what's oh the of buying? <laughs> I I was one of those collectors that I just had to have it all. I've grown up since then. I was I was younger. My parents had more money, and I had more money. Like I would I would mow the lawn to get twenty bucks, so I'd go buy a bunch of comic books that were used and stuff like that, and it was fun. And then I started doing the action figures and such, but like. I was just one of those collectors that I had to, like, have the biggest collection. And since then I haven't. It's been a couple of years since I have even bought anything. But there were Christmases where all I got was Alien and Predator things. There was nothing else. Not even clothes. It was just Alien and Predator gear. That must have been the best kind of Christmas. Oh, <laughs> well, but then I look back at it now, I'm like, if I got all that stuff nowadays, yeah. I would like, oh, I should have got some socks or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> the joys of being an adult.
0: Yeah, like, I honestly got out and kind of gotten a job and moved into the real world. I haven't had the time or the money to spend on all those things. I kind of miss it. Like, I'm looking at all these new NECA figures right now. Like, of the one of Dutch, I had no idea that was even coming out.
1: Oh, like, yeah, I saw that the other day. It's beautifully yeah. sculpted, that
0: one. And that's the kind of stuff I wish we had when I was still collecting. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, it was just starting to come out at that point. Like, the good stuff. Like, the really the good McFarlane stuff. stuff. Yeah,
1: when I was, when I was at, it, at that kind of time I used to see things like the Kenner figures and I used to think to myself but those G.I. Joe action figures they've got articulation at the elbows and all the rest of it I want an alien that does that and mm-hmm. I think I've got a feeling one Japanese company or something did one of the original alien which was quite articulated um, something
2: like that one of the rather like, expensive ones yeah,
1: I I remember they ca- it was one of those that they called it the big chap.
2: Yeah, that uh, that's a pretty famous figure. That fetches yeah. quite a bit, that does.
1: It does,
2: yeah. But but
1: at the time, it was just it was like those old Kenner Star Wars figures. They moved at the shoulders, um, like on the top of the legs, and if you were lucky, the mouth might open, but most of them didn't. <laughs> and and that was it. But you wanted a kind of like diecast metal, fully articulated thing because. Even as a child, you recognise it could be a work of art if you not obviously not the Kenner moulds. But, you know, if they base something off the of the actual like Stan Winston work of art, fully articulated. I mean, it's only now where you get hot toys or the Tech stuff that it looks as detailed as we wanted them to. What? A couple of decades ago now or even a decade ago.
2: Technology finally catching up.
1: Yeah, figures which were articulated, but they just didn't... The people who made them just didn't get the licenses for the kind of Alien or Predator stuff, which deserved that kind of attention.
0: Well, it also wasn't as popular back then, too. Like now people are actually seeking this stuff out, and it's, yeah. it's not looked down upon to own this stuff. So no. there's people that are making this stuff because they can now.
1: Yeah. I, I think also you'll probably find a lot of people who are actually involved in Necker or McFarlane or whatever, they probably grew up themselves these days getting those old micro-machine figures and what have you. And they're probably... These are the kind of figures they wish they'd had back then, so that's why you get a lot of... Like, on the Dutch figure, he it looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the 80s, whereas the, the stuff... You can still get those old, like, Ripley figures and that, which kind of, like, look like a... A squashed, pale face with short black hair, and that's about it. Bishop looked really weird. I remember that much. He had, like, white hair and some kind of weird Geordie LaForge sunglasses. And I don't know if that was because Kenna didn't get the Lantern agreement or what, but oh, even back then I could tell, why is he meant to be Bishop? You look completely different. It's a very strange time in fandom back then.
2: For a lot of my earlier stuff, it was all around the games. Um, I, I have fond, fond memories of Alien Trilogy. And um, about the time that my family was buying a console, my dad had always been like a PC game up until that point, we went out to get a PlayStation. But for whatever reason, the shop we went to was all sold out. So we ended up coming back with Sega Saturn. It's some massive deal where they gave us about 10 games. One of them was um, Alien Trilogy. By that point, I'd already seen the movies. I'd already seen Alien, some of it. Yeah. Um, And it was was that classic picture, um, the classic cover from the side, you know, where the mouth's open and you can see the inner tongue and it always fascinated me at that age. I'd have been six or seven, something like that. And... I used to watch my dad play it all the time. I'd always be too scared to play it myself. (laughs) And you know, you think back to it now. It's like, what was that? Thirty-two bit age. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was a thirty-two bit age because the Sega Saturn was two sixteen bits processors smacked on back of each other. And you think about it, and it's like, how could I be scared of that kind of graphics? And you know, that time,
1: it was state of the art, wasn't it? I mean,
2: just yeah. playing around the colony, it was like, oh, my God, it's like I'm in the film. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And then, you you know, you sort of slowly, as, as technology progresses and the games get better, and, you know, uh, my next probably big game then would have been the original AVP. Uh, well, I say original, the, um the first PC, yeah. yeah, Rebellions one. And, again, that, I have memories of being scared shitless playing that. I mean... I started out playing the the
1: sound work for that is quite effective. So some of the they when you do just play it in the dark with headphones on because you can get the updated version on Steam now, Mm. and some you do sometimes they get these little genuine shocks from playing it. Not so much what it looks like, but they kind of get the atmosphere, especially with with the music. They did some brilliant music for the first one. I forget the composer's name, Shragdale. Yes, I think it's him, and he he got the tone exactly right for the music between the aliens and the Predators, mm. and and the Marines. Even he 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 got the kind of percussion right when they, you had the Marine section. Yeah, that's that's why I I I can't remember if I ripped it out of the game or something got but that's actually one of my favourite
2: soundtracks from that game. The they included it separately. Because you could you, right, C- yeah. you could put the CD in while you were playing. That's,
1: it. that's what I got it from. Yeah, I, I took it off the CD. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah.
2: See that that in all honesty that does still make me jump I've got the I've got the Steam one when <laughs> um, when they released it. And yeah. I've, I've moved PCs a few times since then, so I keep replaying it and stuff like that. And I was playing it a couple of weeks back, and I think I think I actually jumped to one point. Give <laughs> out a little yeah. Ah! When one of them... Because they were super fast in that game as well. Yeah. Showed up out of nowhere. And another weird memory I have relating to that game is Happy Days. Because um, (laughs) when I was playing that, that was when Happy Days was replaying on Sky 1. Uh, So I'd have have Sky 1 on in background. And I can remember playing the first Predator level there with it with the spear gun nailing heads to walls, and behind me I've got some...
1: David and you had the going, Yeah.
2: Uh, so that was always a random memory for that. Wow. But it, it was always gaming for me, because then, then obviously it was... Next it was AVP2, and I can remember my dad making me... We went to PC World, a big retailer over here for games and computers and stuff. My dad couldn't find the, the box on the shelves, so he made me trundle up to one of the... Sales assistants. Excuse me, have you got a- Alien vs Predator 2? We can't find it on the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> you know That's what? It's <laughs> <me. laughs> Well, what, what would I have been then? I'd have probably been about 11 then. And, you know, I'd seen a lot more of yeah. it by that point because that was, that was when the association yeah, came into it for me, um, yeah. that game. And, you know, I was aware these were 18... Um, franchises and there's a little old 11 year old me going up to Mr. Adult Man working for basic World with big boy job and everything, yeah, and saying, "Oh, I need this adult game. It's for my dad. It's not for me." Uh, it
1: was a little bit like buying pornography, but not.
2: Well, I would not know. That's for free. But uh, I think AVP two was probably where a lot of my getting involved in it, in in the franchise came. I
1: do have and, uh, a fond memory of the second one. Well, I think it's the start of the Marine campaign where you're you've got a because they always send you off on your own for some bizarre reason. Always you've got to go through that um, sort of interior of a corridor or something, and there's always this one part where you have to go through to a certain destination, and this steam pipe just. Yes, down because it it looks like an alien head and it's sti- it, it just has this sh- kind of hiss and it always made you jump. Back
2: there. When when you, it's when you're chasing that the the bloop on your motion track and It's one of them little flying bug things.
1: Yes, yeah, the little um, tape or something. In the yeah, way.
2: well, insect thing. But I mean that I oh. I, I, I can remember my first clan. I spent so much time cropping screenshots for AVP World, my first website, and every Christmas I had a tradition. At Christmas time, I would go from New uh, from Christmas Eve into Christmas Day playing AVP 2.
0: We played together every once in a while. I remember that because I I would always sneak out and want to open my presents, but no one was awake yet, so I just went right to the computer and started playing that memories. <laughs>
1: see i've got an even earlier merit because i never actually to this day i've never actually owned like a game console i've always been on PC. i know i know but i've always been on pc but my friend did have a console and he was he got the i think it was no it couldn't have been nintendo it must have been the sega one because he had the sonic the bedrock or something mm. and you had he had one of the early side side-scrolling Alien Three games. Yes, but it was when it was obviously based on a version of Alien Three before they got rid of all the weapons because it was Ripley going through this spaceship or whatever, and she had pulse rifles and flamethrowers and I all of that. That. It was quite, was honestly quite enjoyable as a little playing experience back then. But it, it was obviously it was all done like the old pixel bitmap. Yeah. Things
2: and I've things. got that. I, I brought that from, um, where we had a shop called Game Station, And mm-hmm. they had like a bin of all old cartridges and stuff like that. And yeah. I saw in the Alien 3, it was like 50p, I was like fuck it, why not? <laughs> picked it up, brought it. And I, I don't own the Mega Drive. I haven't. Oh, that's the, I yeah, yeah, the Mega Drive. that was the one, yeah. I ended up having to play it on, um one of my old mates' um, Mega Drive, because I used to go over and we'd play, um, Sonic and these micro-machine races. And it was just because this was the only console she got, and she loved it. I mean, this this is this is an age during Xbox where I should have been at home playing Halo. But that was the only time I ever really got to play it. Yeah, it was com- completely different to the movie and everything, but you're not really going to make uh, much it. Of was it was just
1: a fun experience. It's like this colonial marine game coming out now hopefully it's just going to be a fun experience and it'll detract from the whole is it is or isn't canon i'll tell you the game i did always want to get but i never actually got it because it was in the days before windows and where you were playing it on dos i think you're
2: gonna tell me comic book adventure yeah
1: yeah that one because i remember seeing the back of the box and it all looked exactly like the old the comic version... Yeah, i am
2: glad to say, didn't that include a lot of the Book 2 artwork?
1: It looked like it. It honestly looked like... I don't know if they actually had the, the same artist, or they just comic, um, copied the style, but it looked exactly like it would fit in with I think,
2: that. I think it used one of the... Cover, uh, the cover of it was one of the issues covers the... I think it's oh, it's look, the one yes, where it's the blue it's, alien.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of it's in it's all lit up from behind and it's in shadow. It's actually one of my favourite um art you know, purely artists done as opposed to photograph um pictures of, of an alien, that picture. It's really well done.
2: You was just, I'd love to see him. I think I think he did another little short Dan Beavis or Bevis, whatever it was. I think he did um, another short after it.
1: Count um well, comic wise, he did countdown. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'd love that, to come back and do some more.
1: Uh, from if memory serves right, because I've that's, I've still got the two parts that they go up free in Dark Horse comic. Originally, I think that was printed in a Dark Horse Presents thing or something, as like a one page per issue thing, which is why when you look through it. When you look when you look at how Countdown is actually structured, it looks like each single page ends on a kind of semi hanger. But when it, because they put it together in just a two-parter thing, it, it just looks like a really high octane comic thing. But um, yeah, it did have that artwork from that same guy on the um, box cover. Yeah, but it, it looked beautiful. But I've never ever actually played it. I really wanted to back then.
2: There's, there's some videos and stuff on YouTube of some of the bits and bobs, but you get, it's, it's not something I've ever really got a chance to play with either. And that, I think that was pretty pretty popular back in the day. Yeah. Right, we're going to have to start sort of wrapping up at this point now. Um, Mikey needs to shoot off. So I'm um, just going to throw it back out there for Mikey again, if there's anything he he's remembered that he wants to throw in there.
0: Uh, No, I'm just kind of taking it all in right now. I I was starting to think that my what got me into the fan base more and more was playing ABB2 online, and then I just started looking into it more and more, and that's how I think I stumbled across, like, Galaxy and all those.
2: That's how Darkness got into the whole thing. He made the website for ABB2. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. uh, It's just that game, really. Like, I was into the franchise, but I didn't know there was such a following to it, and then I kind of stumbled upon it, and now here I am. I don't know where my life would be now, right now, if I hadn't have uh, gotten that game a while back. In a completely different place. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be into, like, Star Wars or something like
2: that. Yeah <laughs> what? I was just watching that before we started. Uh, I like Star it. Wars? I, yeah.
0: I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong, but, like, Alien and Predator are, like, my bread and butter,
2: so... Well,
0: Didn't
1: I... someone once do a Star Wars Alien crossover kind of fan comic thing? I, it's I, it's weird. It's coming my. Mo- I've got a feeling that there was. They one did
2: done once. Somebody did a mod for AVP two for Star Wars. Okay, I, I didn't know. It, it was. I can't remember his name now, but it was pretty prolific at the time. It might be King Kenny. It might have been King Kenny, and uh, did a whole mod where you've got Death Star maps and um, you've got the the weapons and stuff in place of in place of your your pulse rifle and everything. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me. They do crossovers of everything. You know, you got you got Dead End. That's uh, but they did Judge
1: Dredd, didn't I as well? Hmm? They did a Judge uh, Dredd versus Alien. Yes, yes that, I've never that, read that one.
2: But. That was the first comic I ever picked up of Alien, and it was only one of the issues. It was one of the. I think it might have been the last issue. And I was in I was in the actual newsagents and saw it. And I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" I picked it up, and that that was that was my first ever experience with with the comics.
1: The Judge Dredd deflowered you.
2: Yes. You know, I, <laughs> he says that nicely. But, yeah, I mean, a lot. Of, I, I think a lot of it tends to be crossovers for other people as well, because, you know, you've got your Batman versus aliens and your Superman Yeah, yeah. aliens. But, yeah, okay, so let's call this to an end, because I think this has probably been one of our longest ones. Longest um, So, yeah, thank, thanks everybody for listening. You've... Um, been enjoying the lovely tones of myself, Mikey, and Xenomorphin. And again, let's hopefully keep everything on track and keep these regular releases going. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. It's Corporal Hicks signing off.
1: This
2: is Mikey. And this is me. Goodbye.